0: Welcome to the Home My Coffee podcast with Elena Sadi and Cindy Falco.
1: Hi, everyone. Our guest today is Dr. Joni Renbarger. She is an amazing woman. She has been a psychologist for, I believe, around 20 years. Is that true?
2: Since 2006.
1: Okay. Oh, my goodness. And she has worked on a reservation in Wyoming. She has provided incredible services for the people there. And she is now working with members of our military, bringing them stability, bringing them healing. And she's a a dear, dear friend of mine. Uh, We've been friends since 2000. And I've been so blessed to have her in my life. And I know she's brought healing to so many people. And we are going to share a story about how she's living in a hold my ice coffee season of walking in her value. So welcome, Dr. Joni Rembarger.
2: Well, thank you, ladies, friends. Uh Yeah, I just want to say that I am I really appreciate being here. It's an honor and privilege to share my personal journey. And, and that's where I'll be speaking from today um is speaking from a place of of sharing my my own personal experience.
0: I hope you know that we are really honored you are sharing your story with us and being vulnerable today. It's just a really huge blessing that you are going to share part of who you are. And that's such an honor and I just want to thank you for that, and and thank you that even as we talk about these serious things, that we can also laugh together and mm-hmm. and just see joy in the journey, even when there's hard times.
2: Well, thank you. You're welcome, and I appreciate <laughs> you inviting me on here to share. As it's a honor to be able to voice voice and place value on my story. So, thank you.
1: So we always talk about hold my iced coffee moments as this kind of breakthrough, almost positive, joyous time where we step out and do something brave because God has shown us our value. But sometimes those moments are joyous and sometimes they're hard and healing. Joni, you have an, an inspiring story about how you're doing just that and wonder if you could share that with us. And also maybe just share some of your background and your expertise as a Psychologist too, um, because I want everyone to know how awesome you are.
2: Well, yeah. So they kind of go together too. Of course, my personal journey and and some of the professional uh, journey as well. And uh, so some of the more recent work was well, quite a bit of it was. I uh, spent fourteen years in Wyoming and worked on the for Indian Health Service on the Wind River Reservation for a little over about total eleven years. With Indian Health, I was with them ten years, and then I spent another year before that working for a tribal recovery program and for the Eastern Shoshone Tribe. So I'm licensed. I am licensed as a clinical psychologist. Yet today, I'm again sharing my personal journey. Just want to be clear about that. But and currently, I'm working. I'm working on an Air Force base, doing some primary care work more in a medical setting, and that's been a really, really important piece and good transition for me. Yeah. So the journey really was. It's been about you know, kind of like dri- thinking a drive. You know, came from a drive for me and yearning to heal and value my own mental health, to embrace my self worth, and essentially feel alive again. So for. For those years of working on the reservation, it was it's basically an environment where it needed to change. It, it was a decision to leave a dangerous job for me emotionally, really, and find a healthier work and home environment. So it's essentially about health. Uh, rural Wyoming, where I lived, is a population of 7,000. It's about 5,500 feet in elevation, a really small town. And uh, the reservation spans about, I think, 2 million acres, there, it's, it's a quaint little town. Lander is where I lived, and the res is, you know, about 15 miles outside of that. But it's isolated, extremely isolated. Closest international airports, four and a half hours away. Winters are long. Uh, often you can get snowed in. Actually, you cannot get out physically. Like, it's, you're literally mm-hmm. isolated. And, and so, after years of that, I began to suffer with some seasonal affective symptoms, as well as working as a complex trauma worker in Indian country. So, to give you an idea the, Life expectancy there is fifty years old, and the crime rate is known on the Wind River Reservation. It's the dangerous one in the country. It's known to be five to six times higher than than the national average. So it's a it's a, it's a place of hardship, of hardship and and death. You know, premature death and a lot of grief. So ended up working in complex trauma, dealing with uh, suicidal children. You know, really terrible adult traumas, uh, complex trauma for most. Patients I saw, most patients, I would say, if not, maybe 99%. I mean, I know that's high, but there was often more than one trauma in each person's life and even the children's. With that said, it was a time where it came for me to decide to relocate. I liken it to kind of the story of the Israelites wandering the desert. And after 14 years being there in a place where I felt like I was wandering and needed to make a tough decision to move forward in my life and faced the decision after I got divorced of what do I do now? It it was got a point where it's like I needed to get out of Egypt. And I knew my exodus was coming. But it was the toughest decision of my life because to think about relocating from your children and not knowing how that decision could go was extremely difficult and took years to make. And so the greatest concern for me was You know, do I stay in this place that was going to perhaps tear me down and even tear me down professionally, or do I go ahead and and get out when I could? And so some circumstances on the job happened where I lost a coworker to death that I'd worked with for nine years. Another psychologist retired. We were basically extremely short staffed for two years. It, It was the level of that kind of stress was just getting so high where I had to make the decision. Well, and I felt like it was time too. Like I said, I'd been praying about it and thinking about leaving. And so, and so I did. This opportunity came up and through support of Elena here, kind of the, the hold my ice coffee idea of, you know, taking a big leap of faith and making this tough decision came with a lot, tremendous amount of support and leaning into. To help in the ears and ears of others and also even my own counseling, professional help as well, just to uh, lead up and make this decision because it was not an easy one, of course. And I feel like there's you know new strengths that have developed since then, just leaving a place that was so difficult. Basically, it was like feeling like I was oppressed when I would come back into town after a trip. About every single time coming back into town, into the valley, Lander Valley, I would feel this weight—a heavy weight. Almost, I, mean, I use the word oppression because that is how it felt. And so, you know, I just—I just, I just want to encourage people. If there's anyone listening that feels trapped or in a circumstance where they are either being, you know, almost maybe held captive emotionally or or mentally, even physically in some situations, of course, just you know, I just want to encourage that there is a way out. That that God will part the Red Sea and that there he will make a way. It may be facing some really, really tough decisions in life and I don't know what that is for you, whether it's you know, a family situation or a job situation, a health situation between two choices. I just encourage you to just listen to yourself and lean into others and, and get support. That there is a way. There is a way. That God is faithful. He is faithful. And so for me, this big change had to happen. So my decision, kind of the whole my coffee decision with really the help of Elena, too. I mean, I think of her holding kind of the coffee for me and not, not just holding the coffee for me, but holding my emotions. I mean, at times holding me mentally in that relationship was so powerful and so important in order for me to walk this path and make this decision. Um, The holding is what is so important in relationship and how we need each other and just the valuing and hearing of each other. And that is what helped me to, to continue on this path and hold an iced coffee to make this huge leap of faith in order to relocate, you know, pick up my life and relocate to a place where I felt home and finally to find a home to get out of that wandering place in the Israelite and to, and, to, and to not take Egypt with me, too. I mean, there's a sense of like, you know, now that I'm out of Egypt, I got to get Egypt out of me as well. And that's, I'm a work in progress, you know, here it doesn't just, doesn't just end in the promised land, but it's, it's an ongoing process. So that's part of it as far as, and and I relocated, I do have two small children and they're still in Wyoming. That's a, a whole story itself. I don't know how much we're going to get into that, but Um. Obviously, that's why this was such a tough decision to relocate what was going to happen with them. And I was preparing them and through the counseling as well. And so uh, that was part of this, why it was so hard to make the decision, of course. I just want
0: to ask you, in the middle of all this, how do you ignore those condemning messages and walk around valuing yourself? When this decision's been so hard and there's so many people judging you for it. And I know we're not going to get into like throwing all of them under the bus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you can just imagine, like all our listeners can just hear what you've been through and what you've shared and imagine in our society how hard this has been for you. So how do you rise above
2: all those condemning
0: messages?
2: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that, that's one of the hardest lessons in this. I mean, I, the hardest part is the grief coping with that for the kids and myself right now and also the hardest part is the attacks really attacks from people and judgments it has been extremely hard you know I like to be light you know he doesn't want to be like and I was a great mother i mean most people close to me will say that uh, i you know spent i did spend time off on my job at times to be with the kids and help raise them when they were babies and was there for them and very close with them. And so, of course, I feel like I always have to defend myself in that, you know, part of the judgment. But so I vacillate between hearing the messages in my mind of like, I'm a terrible mother and some of the, or, you know, I'm unstable, selfish to do what I did. And some of the other worst messages for those listening to are just the stigma of having any sort of mental health issues or, you know, I should have sucked it up or found another job in rural Wyoming, um, and just stayed. And, and those messages are so damaging. It is. And then, you know, then I go to between telling myself, you know, I have courage and I know the walk that I've walked. God knows that walk, you know, that this power and like making this decision I've made, I lean into that. And so, you know, for me at the end of the day, it's like, well, I cannot live by the opinions of other people who, one, really don't know me, have no idea what it's like to have walked in my shoes or work in an environment and country where people are dead by 50. And so, with that and everything else that ties into all the other layers, you know, so often for me and dealing and even judgment has come from family members, close family members that you think should, you know, love you. I know family doesn't always, of course, but at least one that I felt should, you know, has really attacked me and and said some very hurtful things, and so have close friends from this decision that I made. So yeah, it's tough to withstand that. However, I think. For me, it's like knowing where they're coming from in that place of them really not knowing gives me a piece of like that, you know, it's enough for me to just put them in their place. And it's not so much, it's hard to just ignore, you know, the messages, but more just like putting those messages in their place. Like, okay, they just need to stay there in that place of really, they don't know me. And I cannot, I can't live my life defined by that. I've got to move forward. It, It just can't tear me down. But it's hard. It is hard. And I think the enemy does like to use that. You know, there's a verse in um, Ephesians 6.14. It says, I just want to read it here in light of this. It says, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And sometimes that means drawing a firm boundary as well. You have to draw a firm boundary and set it um, in order to extinguish some of those flaming arrows. And
0: that's such a beautiful picture of actually what's happening to you right now that you're fighting for your value and knowing who you are and doing what's right for you and your family and you're being attacked with flaming arrows i think that's a pretty like strong picture of what you're facing and i love what you had to say about that and i'm sure it's going to encourage people
2: i hope so i, I do um i Another verses that come to mind is it says uh, in Leviticus, you know, it says it says you shall not take the vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So the stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you and you shall love him as yourself. For you are aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Uh, So there it's so clear kind of mandate to love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we've got to love ourselves. And, and and part of that is at times making some very tough choices in life uh, that you may never have wanted, you know, or never, ever thought you'd face to have to to be alive. That's from God.
0: But I don't like that not taking vengeance part. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I want to go after
0: him. <laughs> Well, good job. I'm gonna learn from, I'm gonna write that down and pray about trying to
1: be like that. <laughs> I'm growing too. And I think too, you know, to clarify, walking through this journey with you for it was about a three, four year decision and there was literally a battle and I really saw the battle as you're you're fighting for your children. You know, knowing your children, knowing you. This decision is much more intricate that we can really Open up right now, but it was a decision to fight for your children to give them a better life and experience. And when you're doing, when you're involved in that fight, there are forces beyond our control that are at play here. And you have fought for both yourself and your own value and your children. And you're an amazing mom. And so, you know, when we talk about home ice coffee, you're, you did. Such a brave thing, but it was years of prayer and mm-hmm. crying out and processing with people that you trust. It, this was, this was a huge decision, but there were so many factors that went into even having to make this decision because of other people's will. This was a bigger fight and it was a fight also for your children as well. And that's where I see you embracing your value. You know, you've even brought up and discussed with us even today until we know what another person has gone through until we know what it's like to be a trauma worker with that life expectancy we don't know all the things that went into your fight and the fight that you're still having today but motherhood is absolutely incredible and who you are as a person is inspirational
2: well thank you yeah the position of kneeling has become very familiar. That's a certainly a place that I know really well. Or even feeling like a infant at times, balled up. And there is no there there is no place like that really, that humbleness and the position of prayer on your knees crying out to God. I mean I mean this is something that your kids, you know, your life, your heart will drive you to Too, and of course, and the fight as well. And it is still a fight. You know, I am still fighting for my kids, and I always will. What parent wouldn't, or what good loving parent wouldn't, I should say, continue to. fight for their children in the way that they see best. Yeah, I, I appreciate that Elena. I know you've you have walked with me it's, it was years, it was years of a lot of thoughtfulness, a lot of prayer although court system doesn't want to look at it. That is a whole other topic to address at some at some point or time, but a, a very adversarial system there and they don't see things oh as, you know, a mental health professional or just in different even a, a loving mother, or so yeah in a dire kind of rural rural in situation so in a dangerous job so yeah that's a it, it's i appreciate it cuz it was very difficult and still still going on you know it's still it's still a fight to to thrive and get to a place where in a creative way you know to obviously get a place where i can have shared time with my kids so cuz they are so important to me
0: so i feel like you've already answered this question mm-hmm. in what you've shared so far but is there anywhere else that you want to share about you seeing God in your story?
2: You know, for me, I, I think of it when you ask that, what comes to mind is how gracious and God's mercy, even when we're so disappointed and maybe even disappointed with Him, you know, thinking that, oh, I could win this battle or I could or this or, or that, you know, what, what you want to happen when you feel like you know what you need. But it's that deepening of faith to know that and believe kind of the unseen, that God knows what you need before you do, and He will continue to know that, the Spirit of God will. And that is what faith is about. So it truly is this journey where to be wandering for so long, and to hear God's voice, and to know peace after peace after peace, although it came with turmoil, it came with grief and hardship. But to continue to follow that still voice and trust the unseen is what I'm continuing to do. And so I think that is where God wants us. God is pursuing faith. He's pursuing relationship. He's nurturing our faith and drawing us into a place of belief, you know, and trust. And so. If he can heal my trust, that would be (laughs) miracle. Because you know I've had a long life of some reasons to have trust issues, and um and so if God can do it for me, I can say God can do it for anybody. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's something that's ongoing for sure. But that's what I see in this journey of mine is a faith that is beyond what I can understand or see right now, and a trust that I've got to trust him with my kids, and trust him with their hearts, and trust him doing the best I can, and that. He will redeem any any part of it that is, you know, sad for them or, you know, and continues to. And I, and I know this. I, I do. I know this and see it. And so that's been a it's been a blessing and a place value on me as well to receive from God, God's value and acceptance even through some hard mistakes that I've made at times. You know, I'm not perfect by any means. Poor choices, just the struggle of life. You know, after divorce and. That sense of just God's embrace consistently, consistently that that he's the spirit doesn't just, you know, leave you when you, quote unquote, even even wonder, you know, for a time or um, doubt. God does not leave you and will not. He will not leave you. So
0: that's beautiful. I love. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you.
1: So often church people, they misuse the idea of humility. Can you speak to how we can be humble while also valuing ourselves and valuing our our story?
2: Yeah, that's a good, yeah. I believe the misuse of humility, it seems like in my the way I frame it, is often like the idea of the martyr, you know, that being humble, truly valuing yourself is different than a self torture or this martyr type idea that I think yeah. in, the, in the church that we get of like self denial. That's destructive, and that's a thread that is so prevalent and and is destructive. Um, that that thought of the self denial that's really misused, and I think and that's not that's not true humility. So it's not going to be destructive you know, and it's not, it's going to be honoring, it's going to uplift to a higher value. And yet it's also not going to seek to elevate your own importance, you know, over another, but rather seek a greater good, greater for the kingdom, you know, to seek kind of the unseen truth and, and peace um, for truth. So that's the way that I view humility. And it's, it's very disheartening to get messages of you need to stay in a circumstance where you're, where you're suffering, you know, or you could die. That, that's not a message of Christ, it's not a message. It's not a holy message, and uh, or a message of humility. So I think a root of that is pride, really, some pride that you know people show, oh just deal with your circumstance, you know, above all else, and suck it up. I mean, that's just a message that I just want to say is is not is not truthful.
0: So as a follow up to that, when you are valuing yourself, how have you seen that help you value others more?
2: Oh, just uh, I mean, the respect, you know, when you when you truly are loving, loving yourself in ways that is new, even in ways that is healthy and respecting yourself, your whole being, your your mind, body and spirit. It draws people to to want to do the same. It does. It just draws people to want to do the same, even in in the work that I do, it just, it just promotes a different element. I mean, you've got to live life like that. It's hard to say that because it's like, when I think of, I think of all the work on the reservation and so many people there are so destructive with their hearts and minds and bodies. And it's, it's, there's not that love of their self. There's been some, so much, I mean, almost there is just an evil presence and it's destructive. And I think of the anger, it's like this anger there. And living life like that is going to end up premature death, you know, when we live life out of an angry place. And so I think when there's love for yourself, you're really embracing that deeper hurt that is often under anger. And that can be a, a deep grief. And that's not easy to do. That is not easy to do. Yet, it's necessary to do that in order to show others, give others hope that they can Love themselves and not stay angry or not stay hurt or not stay bitter. That there is a way to not, you know, hold those grudges. There is a way through. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's it's very possible, extremely possible to overcome. And that has to be. That's where you know love comes in, self love in a way that, ooh, like people that word gets you know, and I know, tossed around like, ooh, you're selfish, or but self love is biblical.
1: Absolutely. So you touched on it earlier, but can you tell us and share with us what you mentioned about how you see Hold My Ice Coffee? And you actually kind of shared this visceral image of what you interpreted it as being, Um, not just, you know, be even beyond the coffee aspect, but the holding aspect. Can you say a little bit about that? Because you've done that for me.
2: <laughs> I don't know if I have or not. <laughs> I always doubt that, of course, but um, thank you, Elena, because <laughs> you've done that for me. Um, and both of you are now even, you know, I've recently met Cindy and it's been wonderful. But even through this podcast and having the opportunity to, to share and voice my story is a way that you all are holding part of my journey here and is amazing. And I know, Elena, you definitely have over. I mean, we've known each other for over 15 years. And even the last, like you mentioned, four years has been very, especially last two to three, has been even more intense in that. And you've held that iced coffee for me to allow me to make like, oh, here, hold this, please. And let me go do this huge jump of faith. And I'm being here holding it for you. And I'm holding your emotion for you. I'm holding your heart for you. (laughs) I'm holding at times your spirit. You know, it just like uh, makes me just want to, it's hard to talk about and not get teary because that is what connection is about as a human. And that is what healing is about. That is what thriving is about is there's no way we can do this on an island. Like man is not meant to be on an island alone. And again, that's biblical too, just, you know, encourage each other, exhort each other, lift each other up, pray for each other, love each other. Um, and in that, that's where the holding the iced coffee, you know, something that we enjoy too, which is like enjoying yourself, right? You enjoy an iced coffee. It tastes so good and it's refreshing and it can uplift you too. And and that is where you feel that way in yourself when you are held in that way and when you hold something that you enjoy. And so as somebody does that for you, then you can do that for yourself and you feel that value and that love and you feel that support that you're not alone and that you can do this, you know, that you can make a decision and be okay. And that is the Lord. I mean, that's, 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 that's human nature. Uh, Without it, people will die, you know, without that healthy connection or healthy attachment. You know, we just, we're not meant to be without attachment. And I think that's what holding iced coffee is all about.
0: And th- that actually speaks so much to something that we brought up in episode six. We were talking about the need for healthy connections mm-hmm. and how social media gets in the way of that. And it's it's because when we're not real about our struggles, we don't have those opportunities to go through them with somebody. Um, and that's where our deepest connections are made in this life is when
1: we, we have problems and we're real about it and we help each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think too, Cindy, by creating this podcast and your journey as a life coach, that's what you do basically on a daily basis. What you've done for me is you've held my iced coffee as we go through these journeys of taking these really hard steps. And you almost know that intrinsically, you know, is who God made you to be. And then we all get to benefit by listening here today. So thank you. Um, Joni, what do you hope others gain from your story? I know there's probably so much and so many levels, but what comes to mind?
2: I hope that others gain hope. I hope others gain maybe even some answers, you know, some answers that they need to hear. But I do, I mean, I mean, hope comes to mind to me. Hope is like what does anchor us. And it's like, if we don't have, hope in a dire situation. And of course, I mean, I do hope that that's what this speaks to. If somebody is in a really tough circumstance or facing a tough decision that they just don't know what to do, that they can know that there is hope and there are others to hear them and to find another person, find a connection, you know, some, if they don't know, ask somebody, how can I find somebody? I mean, just ask, do not suffer alone. I guess that, that is one message that I'd like to point out because my heart as heavy for all the stigmas with any kind of problems or when we face the decisions or we're scared or I just don't want anyone to suffer alone and so if anything to carry that message with them that through the hardest hardest times there's always hope and that anchors us.
0: Wow yeah that's so powerful. I just want to thank you so much for sharing all of this with us and I'm sure that people are going to resonate and find hope from hearing your story even if their story is nothing like yours just the fact that we all go through struggles and the hope that you have I think it's going to resonate with so many people Mm -hmm. and I hope that they will actually share with us and keep the conversation going on our social media Facebook page and things like that Mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing and I know it's going to mean a lot to our listeners
2: thank you thank you for having me (laughs) enjoyed it